Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> the spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. Urgh. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, coming to you live from the Ray Horseman studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. On today's show, with the census just two years away, data journalist John Schloiss answers vital questions about statistics, including pie chart or bar graph? Both sound edible, but which one tells us more? And could Paula quit her comedy job and become a spot welder? Our career corner segment, welding instructor Jeff Agnew sees if Paula can make a living wearing a welding helmet. Right now, it's just her favorite fashion accessory. I'm Adam Felber, endlessly patching this show's rails to stay on course. And now, please welcome the woman who makes sparks fly with or without a blowtorch, Paula Poundstone. Thank you so much. Welcome, Paula, and thank you to tonight's house band, vibraphonist Jonah Glickman, who you might also know as Jonah Knuckles or Muscles Glickman, our muscle here. Uh, fans of the show will recognize that uh, because he's served as our Burley security guard now for at least two months. But providing muscle for podcasts is just a side gig for Jonah. He's actually a talented vibe player, which is also not his real profession. Jonah, <laughs> great to have you on the vibes. And um, speaking of vibes, Paula, we've got a... Uh, 
a bunch of listeners who are getting vibes about our missing survivalist guest, Thomas Coyne. Yeah, we've put together a, a, a map. Yes, uh, we have. Where people can tell us where Thomas Coyne is not. So if you've entirely, what do they call that? What do they call when they're in a the house and they go, clear, all clear. All clear, yeah. If you've entirely all cleared yeah. uh, any area, please let us know. And we can put it on the map. And we can record that on the map. Let me just re-rack this a little bit because we have so many new listeners every week. Thomas Coyne was a survivalist uh, who was going to appear on our fourth show to tell us how to survive a bear attack. In the wild. Yeah. He did not survive to make it to the studio. As far he as He never know, made it. Yeah, we don't know. We, he could be dead. He might be alive. Um, we certainly hope not. Somebody's updating his website, apparently. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're not sure it's him. Um, so we've been looking for him in a kind of a unique way, in that you first went to Danvers, Massachusetts, and reported that he wasn't in the ringding section of a grocery store. Of there. the big box store, of BJ's. Box, okay. Yeah. Because I really, I mean, I scoured right. that ringding section. And ever ever since um, we've uh, we've been getting updates from various listeners on our Facebook page and on Twitter, telling us where he isn't. Like for instance, he's not in the Bellingham, Massachusetts Whole Foods cheese section. Oh, oh, I thought sure. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not in a manhole in Paris, France. Uh-huh. Um, he's not at the Quality Inn in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh my gosh, that was my second guess. He's not All on right. a certain set of rooftops recently spotted in South Philadelphia. South Philadelphia. Yeah, okay. So, so we have all these places where it's not. And Tony Anita Hall, as you were saying, one of our producers, our fine producer, Tony Anita Hall, has created a map which pins the places that listeners have told us Thomas Coyne isn't. And right now it's on our Facebook page. It's live. It's our first attempt at data journalism. And we can have data journalist John Schloyce, when he arrives, weigh in and tell us all about it. Great. That'll be, that'll be doing. helpful. Yeah. Tony Anita Hull has been doing a lot of work yeah, sure. for us. My manager slash co-producer, Bonnie, asked her to bring a veggie platter tonight. Yes, she did. Yeah, because apparently my double stuffed Oreos and Doritos have not been... You didn't even bring double stuffed Oreos tonight, did you? Oh, I did. I just didn't put them out yet. Because, because they were being put to the, shame by no, these half-moon no, cookies and cheese spreads. No, because the, carrot, spreads, the yeah. carrots were taking up so much room, yeah. the little carrots. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, who wants to do a show with a veggie platter? <laughs> How much fun is that? I, I don't know. I think a lot of yeah. other podcasts go the veggie platter route, and I always uh, think it's a mistake. Honestly. Yeah. Like, remember when they tried to make the cookie monster, like, you know, the carrot monster? Did or they really? No one, no one went for that. I don't know that they did that. Did they do that? They did. They tried oh, well. to, yeah. Yeah, it was a... I guess I understand it. Was, it. it was trying to attack the obesity epidemic. Uh-huh. It, it didn't work. No kid fell for that trick. No, no, no. We still like, have the well, fattest country. You know, we're willing to eat it. vegetables, but we're not going to get crazy excited about it yeah. the way he oh, does for carrots. cooking. Oh, carrots! Nom 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 nom. Yeah, no. yeah. No, nobody's no. buying that. No, yeah. nobody's tofu. buying that. Tofu, me love tofu. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yeah. not even vegans yeah. go that way. Kale. Kale. <laughs> K is for kale. That's good enough for me. Um, uh, some more locations where Thomas Coyne is, and he's not in the main soundproof experimental booth in the lab for the psycho, for the psychophysiological analysis of cognition, emotion, and reward in the Department of Psychological Sciences at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. You know, I'd like to know who that is in there, then. <laughs> oh, did you go by there and see <laughs> yeah. somebody you thought might have been Thomas yeah. Coyne? there was a guy in there that appeared to be having some sort of psychophysiological analysis of his cognition, emotion, and reward uh, in the Department of Psychological Sciences at Purdue University. I would say that's University. very perceptive of you to walk by there and be able to discern oh, that. I noticed it right away. Oh, yeah? <laughs> All the signs were there. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't Thomas Coyne. Um, he's not at uh, CRS Cold Storage in northern England. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Cancel my If he were there, ticket. we could forgive him for not showing up because he'd be in cold storage. Yeah. 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 No, but he's not, he's not there. Uh, let me ask you something. Is there any possibility that he's under Marvin Moskowitz's bed in his closets or under the desk and kitchen table? As it turns out, listener Marvin Moskowitz points out- <laughs> Oh my God, what are the odds of that? <laughs> fairly good given what you were just reading. But yes, Marvin Moskowitz points out that- uh, No, that is freakish. Coin, yeah, not, not really. No, <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't read it. Why, was it, on, was it written down? It was, in fact, on that piece of paper right in front of you. Oh but my you just God. intuited it. I, I just had a, I just yeah. wondered yeah. because it's been eating away at me. It's kind of amazing that you- uh, you intuited that Marvin, from not even reading Marvin that. Marvin Moskowitz. Yeah, now you're now she's she's literally writing down Marvin Moskowitz now, people. Yeah, because I, I it's not written down no, anywhere. It, it is, as I said, it's on the piece of paper right in front of you. Wow. Yeah. He's not at Thomas Dean's office in Iowa City. You know, is there a possibility that he was in the closet, but when Marvin looked under the bed, he hid in the closet. Well, you know, and then that when Marvin went over to the closet, he moved to the bed. Is I, that a possibility? That is why I'm so looking forward to our data journalist showing up, because it <laughs> seems to me that at virtually any one of these locations, Tom's coin could have appeared merely seconds after you determined he wasn't there, and we would never know. I'm wondering whether our method of searching is really efficient. <laughs> And how long well, it would so take us to find... Well, so far we've found a lot of places that he isn't. Yes, yes, but yeah. I, I would submit no, that... No, we're narrowing it down. No, we're you not, you got to give it a chance, Adam. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm giving... I think I'm giving it a chance, you know, but a I... manhunt like this, they look for white... <laughs> they look for Whitey Bulger for 16 years. Yeah, I guess so, but I feel like they didn't do it this way. No, Although, they were, yeah, had they started at the Ringding Isle in Danvers, Massachusetts, they, they might have gotten them right away, like it. that. That's why it took... <laughs> no, because the idiot kept going to the... Uh, what's the vegetable thing? He went to the community vegetable thing. What are you talking about? That's where <laughs> oh, yeah. Whitey Bulger yes. used to go to the farmer's market. Okay. Yeah. It was a farmer's market. Yeah. When you said community vegetable thing, <laughs> you meant farmer's that, market. That didn't narrow it down for you? Okay. So <laughs> if they had used our method, they might have found him a long time ago. Because I I'll tell you something. Highly doubt that. The community that. vegetable thing in Santa Monica, first place I would have looked for him. At the farmer's market. Did you? No, I didn't. You didn't because look for Thomas went, Coyne there? Uh, no, I, I haven't looked for Thomas Coyne. Oh, I'm gonna. Okay, write that down, would yeah, you? Yeah, write that down. Write that down right Community next to Marvin thing. Moskowitz. Community. Okay, um, yeah. let's let's what? move on a little bit. We have a, another little housekeeping to do. As 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 the listeners know, you um you've had quite a few infestations. In oh, your the home. infestation of the week. The infestation of the week. Yes. We haven't had that in several weeks, but apparently you have some updates for no, us. No, I'm so pissed. So uh, you know, I sleep on the floor. And beneath the wood, so I can hear under the house. I mean, that's right. not why I sleep there, but as a result- It's one of the bonuses of sleeping on the floor yeah, is you get to part, hear whatever- yeah. I do. And so I've heard a lot of tail flicking, and the other night I heard like wires moving under wow. the- Because there are wires under the house. Like something was moving the wires under the horrifying. house. Horrifying. And some skittering and okay. some like- yeah. So then last night no I go out to my mulch so well. pile uh -huh. in the dark, and I go to pour water on the mulch pile, and I hear all this skittering- like there were there were rats in my mulch pile, and it's because because it's a mulch pile. No, it's usually Outside. it's usually sealed off. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got like mesh, and it's made. It's got a wood frame and mesh. But the workers, the people next door, the rich people, they bought this house. They knocked it down. They said they weren't knocking it down, but they did knock it down. All, all right. but one wall. Well, that's how you get around the law, I guess. Yeah, they did. But they I've got, seen, I've yeah. seen your house now has this like little. 
micro mansion going up next to it. It's huge. Right. But the workers were standing on my mulch pile, my mulch container. Your mulch containment unit. Right. To do work. And they put a hole in the wood frame of it. And so that's why the rats are going out. So these- So I I believe you have some legal recourse here. Well, the the neighbors haven't even moved in. They bought that property a couple of years ago now. It's been a really long time. I met them like once and I already- I don't like them because their workers Uh have made rats go on my mulch pile and under my house. Yet another infestation. And by the way, what do they called it? Silverfish in the shower. Silverfish in the shower? I got silverfish in the shower. Oh, that's awful. I hate those because, you know, they they look like roaches, right? And sometimes sometimes you go like, oh, no, a roach. And somebody will go like, no, that's just a silverfish. And I'm like, so what? Yeah. (laughs) It's still a giant gross insect. No, there's yeah. a distinction to be I, made. I get it, because you yeah. don't really have infestations yeah. of silverfish most of the time. You have no, a few. You know, um, silverfish are more upper class. Silverfish- I think the name is is kind of diverting silver, you from the truth about silverfish. Silverfish. You know, if you had pewter fish, that would be yeah. not as good. And no, silverfish, um, silverfish like paper. What do you mean? They like paper. What do you mean they like paper? They're, you'll find them in paper. Like in your if bathroom? If you have, like, papers stacked up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I they mean, I didn't like... have any papers stacked up in my bathroom because occasionally after going through the paper, right. they like to shower. But they do, uh, they do like paper. Almost that's not true. And that they shower I'm using and... science. No, you're not using science. You're saying words that are used by scientists. <laughs> that's a, there's a distinct difference. I'm um, using science uh, right let's now. Let's move on to one more thing because, you know, you're not a scientist, but you are... Um, you know, this country's hottest new advice uh, giver. Hottest uh, new. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot of people yeah. want to well, give anybody advice Well, if you say, if you, yeah, if you use that new, that yeah. makes it into another So what category. is your advice for this week? You have some advice. I, I have told. some great advice okay, this great. week. Which is when your kids complain, uh-huh. tell them that in order to complain, they have to write it down. Right. And alphabetize it. Uh, alphabetize the sentence? No, they have to alphabetize the complaint with the other complaints they've made. Okay. Uh, and in this way, what I found with my kids is they complained a lot less, uh-huh. and they learned a skill. And the skill was alphabetizing complaints? Well, alphabetizing at all. Yeah, because okay. kids don't have to alphabetize So would they actually do anymore. this? Would they take you up on this? Because like, if I were in their shoes, I would probably conclude, well, mom's not going to solve my problems. And well, I'm I not think that's make the list. I think that's what they concluded. Okay, great. <laughs> but I heard a lot less complaining. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bored. I go, oh, that starts with a B. Wow. <laughs> I'm not convinced that's great advice. It's fantastic advice. Really? Yeah. So did they ever make these lists that you talked about? Mom, mom, there's silverfish in the shower. Oh, that starts with an S. <laughs> that's gonna go behind the boredom one, honey. Yeah. Sometimes I did help. I feel like this is straddling that thin line between great parenting and outright abuse. <laughs> it's not abuse. <laughs> okay. It's not abuse to no. tell them to write down their complaints. Mom, mom, I have a broken arm. Uh, oh, that's yeah. It's a B or F for fracture. Yeah. <laughs> write no. it down. But it's my arm. <laughs> okay, yeah, just... right or left, honey. Right or left. <laughs> it's my left arm. Okay. Well, you write with your right, so you're fine. Yeah. Okay. No, none of my children ever broke limbs. Never. No. Well, good because then they got to avoid that little paradox. No, because they were busy writing. They were. (laughs) (laughs) And filing. Oh, Oh, how do you spell infestation? (laughs) I said, well, there's subcategories, honey. It depends on which. 
<laughs> honey, is it a silverfish, a roach, or a rat? Or a logie fly? Logie flies would be Or I own. have a honeybee stuck on how's, the- How's the logie fly thing going? I have no logie flies right now, but I do have a honeybee stuck on the outside of the screen in the kitchen, between the window and the screen where I can't reach it. And so it's just been decomposing there. Oh. Like, it's not for Halloween, right. but I feel like- you it's know. a really chintzy Halloween decoration. You might buy that in some sort of a plastic you, tableau. You, you would not. <laughs> you would. No, I think a single decomposing bee is almost nobody's outside of the have bee community idea of terrifying. No. Have you ever seen a single decomposing bee on a screen in a Halloween store? No. You know why? They why? went like hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that's that's undeniable logic. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's thanks why for it's good insight, we have a Paula. data journalist with us. Yeah, well, you know, he'll be able to support let, my conclusions. Let's get to that because he's finally arrived. Uh, we're going to bring on our first guest, who uh, who I guess he got lost in the vast green room here at Ray Horseman Studios. Yeah. Um, no, he's in the other room eating carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where where is that veggie tray? They don't want Shoving us to have down it the we'd carrots. Be, we'd be crunching on the air. That's the thing about those slightly stale double stuff Oreos. They just nobody hears you eating those. Oh, wait. I'll get one out. Okay. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life, right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince, of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants, and I got oh. the um, oh, it's so, and I got the hundred percent European linen shirt, and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like you know thirty dollars a piece or starting at thirty dollars at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. 
I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, You know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't want to take Adam's word for it, well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the next national census is two years away. Paula, what happened to you during the last census as a way of setting up the guests that we're still refusing to introduce? All right. Uh, so when the last <clears throat> census came, and I know I filled one out before, but I don't remember it. Ooh, and I was, I, was, I was struck by that, the fact that on the census, what they asked, as near as I can recall, is how many people were in your dwelling and what was their race or ethnicity, which, by the way, I do not know the difference between those two terms. Swiss. They left... <laughs> It left a list. There was a list that you could choose from. It was like seven things, and then there was an other, and they said you could pick four. You could pick up to four. First of all, if there's anybody in this room that is four or less, I will eat a cat with a carrot garnish. And second of all, my kids are all adopted, and we know a little something about the maternal side of their birth families, but we know nothing about the paternal side of their birth families. And so I said to my kids, you know what? Pick what you want to be. And my son chose a Hawaiian Pacific. Boy, that's going to get him in trouble when he runs for president. It's No, you know what? He's been so much more centered since, he, since he's understood his roots. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> And the other thing is, I was listening to a book on CD about Marco Polo, and in that book, they said that one, because Kublai Khan raped and pillaged to such a degree, mm. that one in 200 of us are part Mongol. Mongol wow. Mongol I'm wasn't go even on the list. That has more to do with the raping than the pillaging. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes when guys pillage. Really? They dribble a little. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, some oh, of the, good to know. See, some of I the learned about history on this show. Sloppier pillagers. Well, yeah, have inadvertently impregnated. Um, yeah. So, but there was no Mongol wasn't even on the the list. Mongol wasn't on the list. Well, yeah. Asian was. Yeah, but that's very specific. It's not just no Mongol. So you you'd separate. I would say that that if you are have any, a pronounced amount of Mongol ancestry, you would probably check off Asian on the census. Oh, well, that never occurred to us. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Okay, well, that's almost wholly unrelated to what we're about to talk about, but it's no, a nice No, it's not. It's nice no, it's intro. not. Uh, we have someone here who can Hold answer. Hold on a minute. Uncle Kublai, come in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what did he do to my dog? Okay, um, we have uh, uh, somebody who can answer all our questions about census data, how we use data. John Schloys is a data journalist for the Los Angeles Times and also teaches at the University of Southern California. Welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, John. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, John. I'm so honored. I should flip over all the cards and let our listeners know that John's been sitting here patiently this whole time. Listening. John has been sitting here, and you should have seen the look of horror on his face. Which one? At the veggie tray. Yeah. At the veggie yeah. tray. Yeah. No, it's a horrible idea, veggies. Um, yeah, so, uh, so I'm right. So I never knew when I filled it out that last time that I recall filling out the census, I really had no idea what it was for. Yeah, so, like, why the government is asking those questions. Well, so the basic thing that they want to know is how many people live in different parts of the United States so that they can, A, be like, well, where should we put all the Congress people? Like, how right. many should California get or Wyoming or uh, Massachusetts get? Um, and the other thing is, where should they send those resources? So if they want to, like, fund bridges in one area, like, how many people are in that area versus another area? Mm-hmm. So they want They're that basic bridges. count. Well, I think that would also depend on... Where there's rivers. Well, yes, yes, <laughs> of course. That's like, part of it. Like, You're not going to just build like a bridge because there's a lot of people yeah, there. Yeah, I don't think Nevada gets a bridge. Actually, it's Nevada because that's how they say it, and you're supposed to say it and how they say it. And it's pronounced Oh, my mistake. Oh, I was saying Nevada Bridget. gets a bribe. Um, so, yeah, I don't think. Let's, uh, let's, I, and by the way, Wyoming gets a, two. A let's just say Wyoming gets two. Bridges? No. Uh, Congress people. Senators. No, senators, everybody gets two. Everybody gets two, Even right. I knew that. Okay. Um, no, Congress people, they get two. That's plenty for them. Uh, okay. Is there anything, is there any other reason to take a census? And what's going, and there's, there's stuff happening with the census right now, right? Yeah. So, um, so, so right now, you know, they're, they're ramping up to do the 2020 census. So they've yes. got to essentially spend a certain amount of money hiring a bunch of people who will come to your door if you do not fill out the form and make sure that you fill out the form. Uh, one of my favorite um, Three Stooges episodes is when they're census takers. So what happens? Uh, well, many, very good many at things. Yeah. Um, they at one point they go to they try to take the census on a football field during a game, and they're chasing the various players with clipboards asking them questions. And um, this is going to surprise you, but they get bonked. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. Yeah, they do. They get um. bonked. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, John. He works for the L.A. Times and he teaches. He's a busy guy. The odds of him having seen that episode are very slim. Now. Uh, that's absolutely, that's, that's absolutely that's right. That's why I needed to fill him in on yeah, it. I'll look it up after yeah, this. You need, yeah, I want to make his life richer. I think, you, I think you've already done that in many ways. Um, all right, so, uh, John, I understand you, you do a lot of interesting walking around the city, suddenly get an idea, data journalism. Uh, you want to tell us briefly about one that I love, which is the correlation between Donald Trump and Scientology and how you came across it. So, so uh, there's an election coming up, and uh-huh. every year we do a lot of stories Wait associated a minute, back with- up. <laughs> well, I, you can tell you write for a newspaper. Okay, Just there's the an election coming up. I, Boy, I promise. I promise. The way promise you chased down that story. Yeah. that's some that's some excellent investigative journalism right there. Okay. okay. What was your first clue? Would you let him talk? <laughs> I had a calendar. Yeah, there's an election coming up. Oh my yeah, there God. is. Okay. Okay, sorry. so there's an election coming up. So uh, every year we we try to come up with a bunch of story ideas. Like, what are we going to do? And so two years ago, we thought. It would be really fun to map every single neighborhood in the whole state of California, which is kind of an insane thing to do because map them vis-a-vis how they voted, how they voted. So like not individual people, but like the groups, the little neighborhoods, about a thousand people each in these kind of little little zones, how they voted. That is fascinating. And, you know, because I wanted to see like, you know, how hardcore people were for Hillary Clinton or for Donald Trump and see like these little groups and people. And so... Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, so after after we mapped the whole state, we were drinking some beers, as you do. Yeah. And um, we after z- I map a state, yeah, I have a beer. <laughs> you need one Absolutely every true. time. I, that e- is a hundred percent true. Every time I map a state, you have a beer. I have a beer. Right. And the total number of beers you've had after mapping states, uh, zero so far. Right. But, but it's you know a thing what? I'm telling you. you something. If I map two states, and I don't care if they're the teeny ones, I don't care if I'm in New England. I'm having two beers. Okay. Good to know. John, yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> You're out having beers. So uh, this is a rough interview, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's so rough. Uh, oh no, yeah. So, me. so we z- let world. me help you get oh, yeah. started. You know, I heard <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard there's an election coming up. Oh God. <laughs> You okay, so you're out having beers <laughs> after, read it in the after paper. mapping the states. Yeah. So so we were looking at the map, and it was very blue in Los Angeles. The city of Los Angeles had, in two years ago, 1,700 precincts. And all but seven of them were blue because most people in Los Angeles voted for Hillary Clinton. Okay. But we zoomed into this one corner of Hollywood and noticed that it was like slightly pink, which was strange. Yeah. And so uh, the the reason that it was pink was because the people in that precinct, and this is right around sunset, where kind of sunset and Hollywood meet and Vermont and Fountain. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so we zoomed in on that and we were like, well, that's strange. So we went on the ground and we like kind of walked around to kind of get the perimeter of what the precinct was. There's also hookers over there. <laughs> Very conservative. Keep that in mind. Maybe they'll show up in the census. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, and so so when we zoomed into it, uh, you know, and we walked around the perimeter, we noticed that there's the huge what is called the big blue, which is the big complex for Scientologists. Where the, the big, big Scientology big churches, yeah, yeah, it's gigantic. It's very large. Yeah, yeah. former hospital. And when we looked at the registration, voter registration data, and we looked at the voting data, turns out that half the people who live uh, are registered to vote there live in properties owned by the Church of Scientology. Oh, oh. wow. So, and, and did you look into it further to find out that, yes, there is a real uh, Trump lean of, or to Scientologists or Republican we, lean? We tried to talk to people, but they didn't really want to talk to a lot of people from the media, special, especially people who are coming to ask about how they voted. Um, yeah, but, you know what? They, they don't like being called a cult, and in order to, to avoid being called a cult, they remain very cloistered and secretive about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that about them. Yeah. We've got a very like, strong PR arm, yeah, too. Don't call us a cult. Then. So, so what is it that you like to do? Don't ask us those questions. Well, there is no Lord. Isn't Tom Cruise but, a Scientologist? Ron Hubbard, huh? Isn't Tom Cruise a Scientologist? Oh, I thought you meant Tom Coyne. Uh, Tom no, Cruise not is Thomas Coyne. Yeah, we don't Although know. that could be why we can't find him. He might have, He might be in the Scientology. If you're a Scientologist fan of this show, <laughs> look around the big blue, would you? If Let you're a Scientologist fan of this show and you heard Adam Felber's earlier comments, that relationship is over. <laughs> All right, we, John, we, so we just to, broke up back Scientologists. Back to Scientologists and Republicanism. Uh, is that a thing? So it turns out that it slightly is. And, um, you know, the few people that we could actually talk to mentioned things that, you know, Donald Trump didn't have a long record of maybe supporting prescription drugs for like kids with ADHD because the Church of Scientology doesn't like medication for those types of things. But right. yeah, it's sort of that and, and just a few other things. Maybe it was the personality kind mm-hmm. of thing right but um yeah it was it was just it was kind of you this know, Trump lovely looks a little bit like l ron hubbard he's kind of uh, i can't that, remember what l ron oh, hubbard it's, looks it's like that anymore. pudgy pink probably happier wearing a captain's hat sort of thing they all all those guys they all look like like alan hale the skipper from gilligan's island they all like trump l ron hubbard yeah, I just can't. I, I believe you, but okay, I can't. Yeah. Well, I can't nowhere. remember out, anymore. Out there in America, our listeners are laughing their asses off right now. Yeah, at that amazingly uh, 
a great comment from me. Okay, now, John, um, uh, so let's get into that, the, the correlation and co- versus causation thing, because that's got to be a big part of your job. Yeah. You find out that that district is pink, you walk around and you see that that's, you know, that's the Scientology area, but you're not done then, right? Yeah, you have to ask. So one of the things you have to do is you have to ask a lot of questions, even though it's not like a physical person. You've got to you've got to ask questions of the data. And so one of the questions was, well, because it could be one thing that makes it look a certain way, but it's not that thing. Correct. Right. So, so you know, walking. Like you the- could say that nobody in <laughs> you could say like right now the people in Puerto Rico don't talk on the phone. Right. Right. Because there's no because there's not a lot of phone calls. Right. Coming from Puerto Rico, but it's because the lines are down. Oh, so yes, right. Yes. So it's not because they don't in like the way, phone. In another way, you could think that there was a correlation between the fact that John's not talking a lot <laughs> and that you're interrupting him constantly. No, but, but there until isn't. we have all the data, we don't know if that's really what's going on here. No, no, because I did some. I did a little background investigation of my own. I mean, he might just be Puerto Rican and his lines are down. No, no, you know what it is. One of the things I know about John is he only talks every fourth prompt. John, is that true? Exactly. John, is that true? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Oh, I like you, John. All right, let's let's move on as as though there's any point to it at all. Um, Let's talk about us. Um, we have, and this is. Wait a minute! I thought you were good. I gave you examples of where cor- So, how do you tease out the data to make sure that your assumption is correct? So, so ground truthing is what it is. And so, I went ground truthing. Yeah, you got to get on the ground. It's called shoe leather journalism. You go out there and you and you make sure that what you think is going on is going on, or find things that would like upset it. So, there was a big apartment building that a bunch of uh, doctor student doctors were were working or living in uh-huh. to work at Children's Hospital across the street. And so, I kind of hung out outside awkwardly and as people would come in and out I'd ask them you know how they voted and and if they thought that this neighborhood was kind of a Donald Trump supporting neighborhood and and to try to like flesh out maybe it's not that group maybe it's this group of doctors in an apartment building pediatricians you're trying to pin the Trump thing on pediatricians <laughs> wow well you know we got you got ask them a question absolutely yeah, yeah no, no one no, said no. that they voted for Trump in that building from huh. when I got uh-huh. If they did, say the pediatricians all said to you, I mean, how many could you possibly talk to? So I think for that building, the number of registered voters was something, it was like tens of people. It was like 60 people. Oh, so it, was a, it would have been a small, it wouldn't have moved the needle it on wasn't the district like anyway. It wasn't like 347. But if every one of them had come out and said, yeah, I'm a, I, every pediatrician that was living in that building came out and said, oh yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. Oh yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. Oh yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. You still couldn't conclude that pediatricians support Trump. It might be that people who give out lollipops support Trump. So then we'd have to talk to more people who give out lollipops. Exactly. Like clowns. And Would you ever John, be... I just <laughs> applaud you for going there with her because that made zero no, sense. No, because it made perfect sense. No. Yeah. So sometimes you chase a lead and, you know, it doesn't end up anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Would, no, that's but weird. 60 people wouldn't be enough to change the... No. Well, let's talk about sample size because this is something that's become relevant to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone in that... We visit. We look at our Facebook page and our Twitter feed, and we use those people's opinions often to sort of steer the course of this show. And that's driving Paula crazy. Yeah, I don't, but the others do. Right? They'll and go like, "Boy, this is really this." And is when you say called, the others, you basically mean Bonnie Burns. No, I mean you and Bonnie Burns. Okay. Um, <laughs> they'll go like, I don't know, something we're doing is really catching on. It's really taking off. And they'll go, "What are you basing that?" I go, "It's a lot of response on Facebook." Well, how many responses on Facebook? Well, ten. It's not really enough, I think, to, you know. Yeah, but if you had 
10 followers, like that's a hundred percent of your followers and oh, avid that's fans. A good, yeah, that's yeah. a good point right well, there. Yeah. But how, how, how do we scale this? How seriously do we take our fans who write in? Well, um, and we love them, but like, for instance, we have, um, 3,197 people like the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page. Uh, 3,466 follow it, which means that about 200 follow it but don't like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> How many are following against their will? I guess Is there a category for yeah, that? It's got to be. There are but some like, that are actually bound and gagged and forced to listen. Yeah, so, uh, so and our top post in the last month had 2,304 impressions, I guess, on, on what Facebook. What does that mean? It means people saw it. Right. Um, That's not an impression. Now, how does that scale to, uh, you know, a, an audience of literally tens of thousands, perhaps millions of people? That's a, that's a really tricky question. Um, we have we struggle with that whenever we're coming with the story. I'll have an idea that I think is so clever and will be so great online, and then it just will totally bomb. Really? Uh -huh. hmm? Give me an example. Well, we thought it would be really fun to do a story about... Uh, the dog breeds that are registered in the city of Los Angeles, thinking that there would be some weird competitive nature to how people love Chihuahuas versus German Shepherd. I would, would have supported you on that story. Yeah. And what happened? <laughs> so how do you know when you say bombed? How do you know? Well, you know, you'll get like a certain number of page views or impressions on a story, and so mm -hmm. that one just was low compared to another story. Like the election map got almost a million page views, well, which people were just like. I think Whoa. I know what happened with the dog breed thing because I think I think thinking about dogs in terms of what breeds people own is very retro when it comes to the L.A. dog aesthetic. Whereas if your dog is not a rescue dog and of indeterminate origin, you're nobody. <laughs> Like you, you're, you're purebred. You are frowned upon. So it's oh, really the, people, people want to say, "Oh, she's a rescue." No, you know what it is. A you lot just, of you can't no, just know no. That. A lot of Chihuahua owners don't follow through on things. What? <laughs> what are you basing that on? Where's your data? Yeah, um, where's just, your data, Paul? Well, it's, it's anecdotal, really. But uh, yes. And that would yeah. be the opposite of data. Yeah. Like I've seen Chihuahua owners before and they just don't follow through on things. So they're not, you know, they, so wait, so you're saying they didn't click on the article to read it like the, maybe it was the title that was ineffective. Yeah. The headline or the title, or maybe we posted it the wrong time of the day, or maybe we didn't promote it on social media in the right ways. Right. Yeah. yeah. These There's are the so questions. Many, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Variables. Or, you know, something big else happened in the news and no one cared about dogs that day. Oh yeah. Did you do that story about the dog breeds on the day of the Northridge earthquake? <laughs> would have been after that. A long because time ago. I know, because yeah. that would disrupt, I, would I think. Guess John was in grade school. <laughs> Were you in grade school during the Northridge earthquake? Yes. Okay, well, then you're not to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was two when Kennedy was shot, so that pretty much puts me in the clear. <laughs> A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. <laughs> The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. 
You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Okay, let's, let's yeah. move on. Boy, I noticed you didn't say where you were when those two incidents happened. What? The, the Which one? The assassination of John F. Kennedy and the Northridge earthquake. You got awfully quiet when we mentioned where. Yes, I assassinated Kennedy, then contrived <laughs> to have myself born a few years later. Uh-huh. And then from Boston, Massachusetts, where I lived at the time, I caused the Northridge earthquake. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for that meddling poundstone. I'll tell you. Congratulations on another case cracked, Inspector Poundstone. Yeah. I'm a little Scooby-Doo-esque. <laughs> it's uncanny. I really, I am, a, you know, I know you're a data journalist. wait here for the police to come. I'm a tough... <laughs> I'm an investigative journalist. Uh, you know, I've chosen to do something else with my life, but that, you know, those skills, those raw investigative journalist skills are there. All right, let's move on. And John, I, I just want to apologize for wasting your time entirely tonight. Um, now We haven't. You, no, we haven't. We really haven't. Um, um, John, how- John, which do you use? Do you prefer a pie chart or a bar graph? So uh, it's funny to ask me that because I woke up this morning and made a banana cream pie for... For work, and I, I, what do I mean really. You made a banana cream pie for work. It what was, was it, it was, part of your research? Did you take it over to Children's Hospital? No, and, he made it so he could bring it to work. Yeah, it was a Halloween party. Oh, boy, I thought it was like your lunch, like I, every day. <laughs> you oh, should see me. I get up. And I thought you thought that was one of his assignments from the city desk. Yeah, yeah. Who's? It's like the, you know, you know, Woodstein. We need a banana cream pie for the morning edition. Yeah, Woodstein. Who's the who's the low guy on the totem pole? Okay, we got a bunch of things going on. There's a there's a there's a election coming up. Uh, Whitey Bulger's been killed. Uh, We're at the 24th anniversary of the earthquake. Yeah, there's got a lot of important stuff. Uh, let's just assign some other uh, journalists to those. John. You want to make a banana cream pie? All right, so John, you're Boy, making a you banana cream pie. probably this love morning. that. Though. You are the last guy in the office in the morning, aren't you? John, you're making a banana cream pie. We can edit all of Paula out, by the way. Um, they do. They do. They do. I'm often cut. <laughs> so I, I love pies, but I hate pie charts. Now, why is that? Oh, you love pies and you hate pie charts? Yes. This is like so Fanny Dooley. I don't know what that means. So, so the, the, one of the reasons is, is because um, the trick with a pie chart as a visualization is that you really only need to see how one slice represents the whole. So like, you know, is it a tiny slice of the whole pie or is it like half the pie or is it like three quarters of the pie? Yeah. That's what you want to see when you see a pie chart. Absolutely. But a lot of people will put like a ton of slices and then you'll get distracted by all the fancy colors and what it means. And they just, they kind of distort the message. Uh-huh. I see. So you're just saying like maybe some people aren't making the pie chart correctly. Uh, yeah. Or or that pie charts are not necessarily the best way to visualize data. So a bar chart might be better. My daughter Tosha, um, my oldest daughter's black, and, and sometimes we would be watching the news and they would put up some pie chart about how America votes. And it would say like, you know, there's a, here's a slice of the Afri- African Americans vote this way. And then it would say women vote this way. Honestly, in the same chart. And I would say to Tosha, which one are you, honey? 
That's another problem is sometimes yeah. people make them and they don't add up to 100%, right? Like you'll have a pie chart that adds up to 150%, but that makes no logical sense. No, but yeah. it's so really good pie. A lot of people pie. do pie charts poorly because they're probably just thinking, mmm, pie. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So you prefer a bar graph? A bar graph, depending on what the data shows. So is it like a time, is it like a time, you know, it's like year data for each year or is yeah. it like showing like, yeah. you know, countries ranked on some? Yeah. Then you're going to use your bar graph. Yeah. That's when you're going to crack out your bar graph. What's the, what's the, uh, your current favorite visualization that you've done recently? Because I know you do all kinds of schmancy uh, stuff, right? So- yeah. So, you know, the, the. Mega Millions jackpot was up really high. 1.6 billion, right? So yeah. we made a silly visualization to try to explain the odds, which are one in 302 million or so. Yes. Uh, but somebody's got to win. And uh, and so so what we did is we had this silly kind of simulation where it was like we gave you a fake $100 and then you'd pick your numbers and then play it. And then immediately you watch your money evaporate. And then it's like, well, why not spend some more money? Like $1,000. Uh-huh. And then you spend that and it goes even faster. Because it's just playing through all the oh, so odds and the numbers, this. exactly. And so that's like one of these like really fun things. That's kind of that's time really kind of fun because it was the least productive video game ever yes. playing the lottery. <laughs> you just watch your money go away. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, how much was it again? How much money was it? So so 1. it's one point f- six billion. One point six billion. I don't even know what that is. Like exactly. I don't even know what that. You know what would have been? I think John, it's not my place to say, but perhaps <laughs> a better visualization would just be like a picture. Of all the shit you could buy for $1.6 billion. <laughs> You know, so it'd be like couches, big screen televisions, you know, Just stuff. Belize. What, Whatever's what? out on the street Belize, out there. Belize? The, the country, Belize? Yeah. I, I think it's more, you can't buy a country, Adam. Oh, yeah? You can't buy a country. Tell that to the Republican Party, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> They're not buying it. They're cheating it. Okay. Um, all right, John, I want to ask you one more thing. No comment just, on that. Just, um, the, let's talk about you were John, listening to John, I just want to say right now, John has maintained his journalistic integrity the entire time he was here. Right. No and matter how much we offered pie. him to give an opinion or editorialize, he was unwilling to do it. And we brought in carrots today, which we never do. <laughs> But my manager, Bonnie, apparently thought that would crack John. Nothing has cracked John. We weren't really trying to crack John, but good. I mean, I mean. I was trying to crack valuable John. Valuable point, I was begging him to so give me seen, his uh, opinion. Uh, uh, t- Tony Anita Hull, our producer, um, uh, sent you a link to our brand new Thomas Coyne map. Um, as a data journalist, how do you feel about that map and our method of searching for Thomas Coyne? So, you, I, you know, you can definitely create a map of your own data sets. I, you know, my first question is, uh, how many people were contributing to that map? Was it just a handful of people? Was it one person who maybe you can't trust and no, is biased? No, you Roughly can 20 tell people at this by point. how many dots are on there, John. That's how you would interpret that map is by how many dots nobody, are Nobody has there. taken it upon themselves to look in more than one place yet. Yeah. Except uh, Mr. Moskowitz, who apparently looked in three places in yeah. his own house. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd want to know, like, as a percentage of places on the planet, you know, how many have you searched so far? Oh, I don't know the percentage. I would say, oh, uh, I think I see where you're leading us here, John. And and um, you're right. <laughs> what? We, we've essentially looked, and this is like that lottery thing that we were trying to do. We've essentially looked nowhere. That's not true. We've looked in 20 places. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but how many places would you say there are in this world? I don't know, more than 20. 
Yeah, no. Well, John, we, your point is well taken. <laughs> by John, some of us. I have a question for you. But you know, got to keep at it. Last week. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep at it. Yeah. You're, I think you're going to be surprised. When we find Thomas Coyne, you're going to be surprised yeah, at, when the, he, when he, at the- when he emerges from the frozen fish section of Costco going, you got me. Yeah. Hey, look. <laughs> I, ca- I caught you after, cereal, your, yeah. uh, after your earthquake caper. Um, <clears throat> you know, Almost um, in our last show- I gave some advice about opening a trash bag. Like, if you don't buy trash bags that don't have a visible, discernible difference between the top of the bag, the opening of the bag, and the bottom. Well, now you've given that advice on two consecutive shows. I have, because it takes up a lot of time. Now, I sift litter boxes on the time. I See, Adam <laughs> thought it was useless advice, and I said, no. I sift litter boxes four times a day. Now, I only open a fresh bag one time a day, but... What percentage of my life, if it takes me two minutes to open the bag, and it usually does, if it's not the kind with the discernible um, difference between the opening and the bottom, what percentage of my life would I have wasted if I lived, say, to 80? (laughs) I wish America could see John Schleuss's expression right now. I need two more prompts on that. Oh, he's... Yeah, Paula, ask that question twice more and John will answer it. You know what? John, <laughs> John, if it takes me two minutes a day to open a trash bag and I live to be 80, what percentage? He's literally taking out a calculator. He's not taking out a calculator. He's doing it in his head. Um, you know what, John? While you calculate, I am going to make... He might be calling an Uber. I, <laughs> I am going to make a balloon sculpture of you. You're not making a balloon sculpture. All right. For those of you who are new to our show, um, Paula Poundstone is under the misapprehension that she crafts balloon animals. It's not a misapprehension. What happened to my other one? And, and, and point of fact, the uh, balloon animal that she's crafting right now is not even from a conventional balloon animal balloon. It's a um, oh. it's a happy birthday balloon, which she failed to tie correctly. So we no. have that going for It us. looked exactly like you for a second, John. <laughs> it looks like you if you're losing weight fast. All right, John, you, you, you really are doing some calculations here. He is, because it's an important question. You, you poo-pooed, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, the important advice that I gave people about right. not wasting their time opening trash bags. But now we're living in this absurd world where you're taking two full minutes to open a trash bag, and you're opening a trash bag every day. I open a trash bag every day. You do? Yeah. Why? But I'm because I sift litter boxes every day. You don't oh, hold on to it, Adam. That, no, I it's, don't. You're not you're yeah. not sifting out the waste and putting it in a bag to to treasure. No. No. If it, you even take if it, you were, you'd be opening a bag. I get. No, I get. You where take you're it from there. to the trash. You okay. didn't get that part of the story. I, I, I totally get that. Oh part my of god! Story. Thank goodness you don't have a lot of pets. All right. So, John, what do you I'm got? Not, I'm not wait, excited. Wait, wait, so about, your answer. Okay, right? We're gonna say you started when you're 20, right? And you're okay. gonna live to be 80, and you do this two times a day. Right. Every day. Okay, yeah. So I think it would take 12 hours of your whole life. That's it. All this complaining for 12 hours out of your whole fucking life, Paula. <laughs> it took almost that long to give that advice in two shows. Okay. And then but there's we, something we, we else. lost that time. It doesn't come back. Thank you, John. And you don't get that time back, right? You no, don't you get that time back. I don't get any you know, of the time let me back also point out this is an important thing. And as a statistician, as a data journalist, you'll appreciate this. On this podcast, I make, uh, I, I, well, 
No, not even just a part. Okay, my career as a whole, I'm, I'm making like 12 cents an hour now. Yeah, that's okay? good. Okay? Yeah. So that 12 hours is a long goddamn time in my uh, financially for me. Do you see what I'm saying? No, because that's that's like that's, that's so like it takes a dollar thirty six, isn't it? I mean, right. But my point is, it takes hours and hours and hours to earn anything, and so I need that time. I will pay you a dollar thirty six to never mention this again, <laughs> now, and that will fund the rest of your life full of opening garbage bags. All right, now uh, wait a minute. I want I want to thank John Schloys for showing up and uh, oh showing us God. how to properly slice a pie chart, Paula. Based on all of John's advice that you listen to, what advice can you give listeners as they ponder data in the 21st century? Hey, Jonah, you want to give me a little, uh, what are they called, vibes? Yeah. Little vibes behind my vibes. The census gives information about our population so we can allocate funds and tell who gets bridges, whether they're near bodies of water or not. If you research using data, you still have to do ground truthing or shoe leather journalism or standing outside a building talking to about 60 people. One out of one data journalists prefer bar graphs over pie charts. In the aftermath of a devastating earthquake, people are not interested in the demographics of dog breeds, even if it's well illustrated. John Schleiss is a data journalist for the Los Angeles Times and also teaches at the University of Southern California. John, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks, John. You're great. Next time, bring a pie. <laughs> the Cat of the Week is Elihu from Frankenmuth, Michigan. Coming up next, it's Career Corner, and yes, it's spelled with a K. We actually use two. On this week's Career Corner, can Paula make a living as a spot welder? That's coming up after we hear about this great Maximum Fun podcast. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. <laughs> okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven, sometimes you gotta raise a little hell. Oh, that's the tagline! <laughs> Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. How does this sound? A weekend on a beautiful mountaintop in California. You wake up, eat a tasty meal with some new friends, some old friends, maybe the host of your favorite podcasts. After that, it's a couple of inspiring classes, spectacular podcast tapings, a hilarious stand-up showcase, a dance party, and more. And s'mores! All of this can be yours at Max FunCon, returning to Lake Arrowhead next June. Tickets go on sale Friday, November 23rd. Put that on your calendar because Max FunCon tickets always sell out. Get a head start planning your next summer vacation and go to maxfuncon.com to learn more. Sweet. Thank you, Jonah Glickman. Paula, um... How do you feel about your job as a comic? Well, you know, I love my job. 
Best job in the entire world. I thought so. The only thing that I loathe about my job is the self-promotion. I hate having to constantly say, hey, I'm going to be at the blah, blah, blah on June 17th. I hate that part. Yeah, you really don't like it. I don't like that part. You have to do it all the time. I have to do it all the time. I'm forever doing radio interviews and this and that. Hey, guys, I'm going to be at the blah, blah, blah on June 17th. Right. Yeah, awful. It's my sister's sister's birthday. Where are you going to be on my sister's birthday? Uh, At the blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. We'll try to catch you there. Uh, But that makes you think, doesn't it, Paula? It does make me think. (laughs) It makes me think, what if I had a different job? Do I have the skills to be a spot welder? Well, Paula Poundstone, to answer that question, welcome to Career Corner. Boy! Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about an astronaut? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life, Paula Poundstone? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a spot welder. And while we're at it, figure out what a spot welder does. They do spots. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the high-stakes world of welding is master welder and welding instructor at the Universal Technical Institute, Jeff Agnew. Let's have a big career corner welcome for Jeff. (laughs) Jeff, welcome. Right on. Thanks for having me. Let's cut straight to the chase. How do you become a welder? Uh, lots of different ways to become a welder, but the one that we prefer at Universal Technical Institute is you come and take our course on welding. All right. <laughs> now, if you didn't work at Universal Technical Institute, would there be another way one could be? How long is the course? The course is nine months long. Nine months? Yes. Do you have the helmet on the entire time? No, we bore you with a lot of classroom work as well. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you need to know? Uh, to there's a lot of science behind welding. Oh. Uh, you'll learn some metallurgy, and then uh, the physical welding aspects are what these students actually enjoy the most. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, we keep talking about spot welding. Is there a difference between welding? I have a theory. I've, I have a theory. <laughs> okay. That welding is like a big piece of metal, like the side of a ship or something. That's welding. Spot welding is like where the railing on my house, um, the bottom, the stabilizer of the railing, the bottom part has come apart. And that's just a spot. And you would just weld that spot. Is that correct? And feel free to tell her no. That is not correct. Actually, that would be (laughs) fall in the category of a stitch weld. Oh, that's a stitch, stitch weld. weld. So, spot welder, I'm going to guess, and you can tell me I'm wrong too, okay. although I rarely am, is much smaller things. Very much smaller. Okay. And a different process. And a different process. You didn't know that. No. <laughs> you didn't know that it was a different process. Because you take a piece of metal that has a little hole in it, which you do the spot with or something like that? No. There's no, no. Totally wrong. <laughs> First of all, you wear a different outfit. First of all, you don't know anything about this. I certainly do. We have an expert right here you can ask him. What's you have that? the spot part right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it leaves a spot behind where leaves you welded. Leaves a spot right? where you yeah. welded? Yeah, a couple okay. of electrodes come into contact. And they will uh, make a spot weld, which is just uh, what it does is creates a molten puddle between two pieces and fuses them together. Oh, so you're just zapping a little thing. You are exactly zapping a little thing. That's the spot weld. That now, is, is that, really, really close. Is that harder than other kinds of welding no, or easier? No, super simple. Very super simple. Yeah. Just two I can teach you to do it in about 30 minutes. Okay. so no, oh, three minutes. Three minutes? <laughs> yeah. How long yeah. would it take to teach Paula? 
three and a half minutes. <laughs> there you go. That's because I want to dust it off before I begin. Right. Um, Advanced so you make course. a molten you know? puddle? Is that what you said? You make a molten puddle? You are creating a molten puddle of metal and then allowing it to cool. And oh, that bonds the two pieces. Puddle of metal. So that's what spot so okay. there are so a spot welder is not like a, a relief pitcher that you call for. You know, a specialist. They're it? like a backbencher. They're a backbencher. Yeah. So you do spot welding, but you, that's like an You do thing. a bunch of regular welding, and then sometimes you need to go over there and do some spot welding, but oh, it's see. not actually a career corridor. Oh, I oh, see. It so because it's, it's no, just a I small, very small aspect of welding. I, I saw it as like the person, like the, the phlebotomist that's called in when they can't get a vein. You know, the regular <laughs> phlebotomist tries a few times, or just the nurses, and that when they can't, you know, when it gets to be too much, they're like, all right. We got somebody. They're not even in the building. You got like a bat phone. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like Dr. Bombay on Bewitch. We got to get them up. They're, they're climbing the Alps right now, but we're going to bring them in because it's that. We, there's A, a really, helicopter lands on a snowdrift. Yeah, exactly, because it's a welder, really, it, really highly qualified phlebotomist. apparently not at all what spot welding is, yeah, right? I re- so not I at thought all, it but was... I'm partial to aerospace, and that would be pretty close to aerospace welding. Aerospace welding. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, aerospace welding. <laughs> that What's is the that? real science, you know? I thought aerosmith welding. Um, <laughs> Not where, a thing. Where you take that guy who Not looks a like a, a glued together uh, broken vase. Steven and Tyler. You... <laughs> you know, I worked uh, in a bungalow right next to American Idol when he was, uh, when he was a, the judge on American Idol. So I'd see the collection of cars that he would park in his parking space and I would see him. Yeah. And he's very little now. Very frail. Yeah. Well, a lot of parts of them are lost. I guess so. But yeah, I don't yeah. think welding really enters the conversation. But no, dude, it does. Dude, if anybody dude needs spot like welding, it's Steven <laughs> Tyler. Yeah. If you could put, some, if you could create a molten puddle in him. Yeah. Well, you know what, molten puddle. I'm glad that you brought us back to the subject. Yeah, um, we were on the subject the whole time. No, we were not. We uh, were just in a way that you didn't understand. I I, I grokked. Okay, Jeff. So, um, you were talking about spot welding, and it's two electrodes, and you make molten metal. Could you, Paula, because I, I hurt her feelings, is now is it any, inflating a balloon. You know what? I'm going to just make a balloon uh, sculpture. Of what, Paula? Of, of Jeff, the spot welder. Okay. Jeff, just you wait. Okay, um, Jeff, you can, you can I'm feel free to ignore yeah. this. This is at no point going to look more like you than it does now. Uh, is welding dangerous? Absolutely dangerous. Is it really? Very dangerous, Okay. Yes. Not the spot welding part, obviously. The spot welding's a little simple, but you could still maybe. But get it's the big acetylene it. torch you use, right? That yeah. that stuff is dangerous. Did you go to a school to learn to spot weld yourself? Uh, personally, I come from kind of the old school of welding, is on the job training. Uh, what do you mean, the old school of welding? Well, you nowadays you would just drop down into a welding situation, like like how my mother <laughs> learned to swim. She was taken out in a boat in the middle of a lake and thrown in the lake. That's a lot more true than you. Realized. Really? <laughs> yeah. so, you, so you were you were dropped into a spot welding situation, and and you made a. I, I worked at a paper us. mill where we manufactured paper when I first was learning to weld. And yes, you were dropped down into a pit, and you had to make welding repairs to equipment in the bottom of a pit. Really, with no no training at all. You just well, no, so you were it, in I a mean, pit, yeah, and you'd go like. And then you'd yell up, how's that? You mess it up enough times, and then you don't have to yell up anymore. You know you got it right. Huh. Oh, know. man. So what were you welding then when you were in the pit? Uh, usually uh, uh, equipment that would move uh, uh, fluids, like water and uh, mulched up cardboard, things like that, because it was a paper, a roofing paper manufacturer. Okay, so one of those, one of those things would spout a leak or something, and you'd be down there... 
patching it up through and, the magic yeah, of welding. It was, it was, it was nasty. Yeah, Did it bad. never occur to the company to hire a welder to do the welding? No, they hired a welder to teach me how to weld, and then when that welder moved on, I was oh, able I to see. take over. Oh, so you were like the apprentice. You <laughs> yeah, were the Johnny much. Tremaine of yeah, welding. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of welding is the most dangerous? What situations are the most dangerous for welding? Uh, you, probably your, your big structural steel. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of that is pretty dangerous. You can find yourself at high steel. heats yeah, or, right. or at, up at right, heights. You're dealing with you know, hundreds of feet off the ground. You're hundreds of feet off the ground dealing with, with molten metal. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Uh, and that I ha- don't want that Paul in either of those situations. That, I feel like we've got an early answer for Career Corner. That helmet is not going to help you when you fall. By the way, I brought you a helmet. Oh, you did? Did you really yeah. see that? Oh, nice. Let's let our listeners see that. We yeah, will so if everybody would like to, to see this, we will describe- <laughs> check it out. In fact, whatever- Look at that. Oh, put that on, Paula. I think that we won't be able to hear so you. cool. Oh, oh this is going to be... Fortunately, I just started doing Instagram. Best day of my life right here. Oh, Okay, wait. I don't know. All right, on the back is a handle, and it is a twist lock. Yeah, yeah. Right here, this She's got a large head. opens and closes. I never realized how big my head head. was. And it also flips up. So you can squeeze that tight, and then you can push the helmet up. It doesn't flip up. It flips up. No, it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Now you look legit. There's actually, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it just closed. There is a detent you can hit there, yeah. Okay, but you know what's good is I can use this helmet when I make balloon animals, which you don't do. I, I do. Well, I also brought welding gloves if you'd like to do your balloon animals with those on. It's not going to hurt her balloon animal skills. Because otherwise, that balloon can snap on you. Yeah. It, that, wow, it, that, this is so cool, Jeff. And what's that? And Jeff? then, like if you want to have a really good time, I brought the heavy leather jacket for you. Oh, oh. man, that is <laughs> nice. So do you, so you wear a jacket like that usually? Oh, yeah, you have yeah, to in some you scenarios. you take metal to the jacket sometimes, You're right? taking uh, metal that is heat in excess of four or 5,000 degrees. Oh, my God. Falling wow. all over you, you know. And, it's falling uh, all over you? Yes, hot sparks. I'm not sure you're doing it right. Have yeah. you never seen flash no, I, I, I never said I, I was doing it right. I just they sent me because I told them I could do it right. Yeah. So you know? <laughs> all right. So you're welded. All right. So you have a a blowtorch. Am I correct about that? Uh, sometimes you use a blowtorch. Yeah. When don't you use a blowtorch? Yeah, well, in today's ta- day and age, we uh, 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 there have been a lot of technical advancements in welding, so we're really? no longer have to use you, you know hundred and twenty year old technology. Really? So yeah. what do you use now? Uh, welding machines, yeah, oh, inverted machines. Uh, you have uh, arc welders, you have MIG welders, you have TIG welders, and then you have some TIG other specializing. Welders. Those are people. That's very specific. That's people who attach TIG Nataros. Um, <laughs> nothing to do with TIG Nataro. Limbs it has nothing to do. with They TIG use Nataro. brads. No, they don't. They do. They no. use brads, and her, that makes her able no, to go. She's, like she a is chicken. slender, but her she's not. Her limbs are not held on. That's by brads. a TIG welder. No, I no. That's it, exactly it, what. A Tig welder is. No, you know I'm what, Adam? Right now, Jeff. I'm going to put my helmet down. <laughs> Please. Because I think it's the best way of coping with your negativity. It's not negativity. <laughs> I'm just trying to. We have a guest here who can talk about this stuff, and you're what? making. Just stuff so up. you know, we in the welding industry, we do have a saying. Yeah. And that saying is, when the hood drops, the bullcrap stops. Right. Oh. Now, do you think Paula Pounce, just given what you've seen tonight, could dr- could stop the bullshit? No, I, you know, 
No, but that actually does get to a serious question, which is like, what is the, the temperament, the ideal temperament Wait, of a welder? Wait, I have another expression or to this. tell you. Pretty much, you yeah. know. When the welding gloves go on, Adam Felber's wrong. That's... <laughs> oh, yes. That's oh. not a very useful uh, yeah, maxim. Yeah, do you hear how that just rolls off the tongue? All right. All right, so yeah, what, are, what, is, what the is the temperament, temperament of, of a, a good... Well, I tell you what, I personally used to be a pretty high-strung individual, pretty really? hyper, and welding will teach you patience like you never thought you had. Okay. Really? You will find wow. yourself in such frustrating situations that you have no choice but to be patient. Huh. Like, give me an example. Uh, well, you know, you could be welding out in, in outdoors, yeah. in the wind, yeah. and in welding, uh, use a, uh, an inert gas to create an atmosphere around the weld puddle, the molten metal, uh-huh. right? You use an if the wind gas. comes up and blows that away, you yeah. are going to be cursing up a storm, and you're you going to get, get frustrated. Oh, you have to gas the area again, or whatever, right? Well, no, you have to, then you have to repair what just happened, so oh. you have to take a grinder, and you have to grind all oh. of that out. Wow. And then you have to try and reweld that while protecting yeah. yourself from the wind or some scenario yeah, and like that. Make sure that it doesn't blow away your inert mm-hmm. gas. That's right. right. Which inert gas? Uh, we use argon and carbon dioxide. Is carbon dioxide an inert gas? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, come off it. <laughs> what? You didn't know that? No, I didn't. The carbon, carbon dioxide was, you didn't know it was an inert gas? What's an inert gas, Paula? Carbon dioxide. All right. <laughs> Well done. Um, this is something that you Paula wanted to ask I'm you, but I don't think she's going to refer to it. a balloon animal of carbon dioxide. You will make nothing. <laughs> Where's my There's boy? another balloon. When the welding gloves go on. So here's one that Paula wanted Adam to ask. Adam Feldberg knows nothing about carbon dioxide. My whole family, I have a, my family oh my um, did a lot of work with inert gas. They did? Yeah. You mean like carbon dioxide and no. argon? There's a lot of times my dad didn't get off the couch. Well, he was inert, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, you, you blow up the balloons and you have experience with balloons, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, That's one of the gas, other inert it? gases that we use is helium. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll be honest. It's a noble gas, too. Isn't yeah, it? noble it's gas. It's a noble, it a noble gas. gas. It's a noble gas. Oh, As is oh I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm, sure. It's also nobility. a respectable gas. Uh, yeah, you know. A respectable a res- gas? It's a noble gas. It's a respectable gas. Those are it's an honorable things. gas. No, it's not about honor. I admire a... that gas. Oh, my Lord. What, what's, a, what's, a, what's a noble gas? That's, that's, that's high school that's chemistry. Periodic right that's periodic table element stuff. Table like, I know some of the other stuff oh. that we use regularly, but I don't know Noble. Oh, I it, don't it's, know. It's, it's the right-hand column on your common periodic table of the elements. <laughs> you know what? Do you want to know why I don't know the periodic table of the elements? I have some ideas, but go ahead. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> because I occasionally, periodically... Skipped chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, back to welding. To um, me, the periodic table or not. was the table in the chemistry class. Periodically, I saw it. <laughs> All right. I understand right. that so there's I, a I, dandy I, periodicity <laughs> pun in there being made. There um, is. Now, is it lonely inside the helmet was a question that Paula wanted to ask, but um, she's lost her place in the script. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me know. How you is know? it in there, Paula? It's lonely. Do you ever feel lonely in there? No. As a matter of fact, it's uh, once you learn some of the ins and outs of welding, and as you gain experience, you'll actually find a therapeutic value. 
Oh, really? In welding, yeah. And it can What's uh, actually... What's the Do you mean like some alone time kind of it thing? It is like an alone time while you have an activity going on. You're actually mm-hmm. busy doing something. Yeah. So it allows you to focus. Oh, I and see. concentrate on what you're doing versus being lonely. I oh. hear you. Yeah. Can you listen to music in there? Absolutely. Music is recommended. Oh really? wow! You yes. Can put music in, in this in this helmet. Well, I mean, you can use ear earbuds oh, or earbuds. any of those uh, things. I don't believe in earbuds. It, you know. What we're trying to do is keep the weight of the helmet down because it's on your head all day. Yeah. Going up and down, and that's actually hard on your neck. Oh yeah. So you don't want to add more stuff in right. there so you if you can help it. Right. You don't want like a bunch of sound equipment yeah, in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. Um. Hold on. She's lowering the helmet yeah, again. Pretty much. <laughs> Use this for sifting litter boxes. Yes, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it would help me to focus on sifting litter boxes. And I, uh, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I when the hood drops, the kitty litter gets picked yeah, up. Yeah, or exactly. Something, yeah. Right? yeah. When the hood drops. <laughs> yeah. When the hood drops. <laughs> the shit stops. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No. No. When. Um. All right. Wait. I know I'm taking us off topic. Um. <laughs> Let me wow. ask you this. A, I think we all, or many of us, many of us, the, uh, are familiar with uh, welding from the movie Flashdance. Um, was there an accurate depiction of welding in the movie Flashdance? I actually had to do a little bit of research on this since I had not watched that movie since the 80s. Right, you know, I only back saw then. The, the accompanying music video. Yeah. I, don't think I ever saw the movie. And in my research, it looked fairly accurate. It was good welding. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was wearing the uh, proper attire, safety yeah. equipment, because yeah. safety is paramount right. yeah. when you're talking about dangerous things like welding. So, yeah, everything that I saw looked pretty accurate. Really? Now, let me ask you something, because people often talk about the fact that Jennifer Beals wasn't. Uh, didn't uh, didn't do her own dancing. No, in, I did that dancing. in in flash dance. <laughs> Paula Poundstone did. I did, the or dancing. some other dancers. But um, I guess my this. question is, do, having watched that scene, that's great dancing, Paula. Thank you. Having watched, hold that on, scene, I have to tear my sweatshirt. Um, having watched that scene, do you feel like Jennifer Beale did her own welding? I Boy, am that's not a question no one she was under the mask, right? Well, I, and you know, my students, I, I often grade them and I have to uh, inspect their welds. And if I were to look at hers up close, I'm sure I could tear it to shreds. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can't talk wow. from a distance if she's. <laughs> not welding. a distance. Because yeah, uh, sometimes you know, I got to put about on magnifying hair glasses. She had? Is frizzy hair like a bat? Like this Paula Poundstone hair kind of a no no for welding? Well, no, you you can have it, but only for so long because all those hot sparks are going to start to burn it off after oh, a while. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice look. Yeah, good oh, to what know. a feeling. Good to know. Um, so uh, let me ask you something, Jeff. I just opened a soda. Can you close it? <laughs> I actually had one of my students challenge me the other day thinking he was going to be able to do it. But, yeah, you can weld two uh, aluminum cans together. No, I mean, yeah. could you redo? Could you? Could you? Could yes. you get the opening part out and reseal it? It would take me a couple of hours, probably. Time but well I, spent. No. I could return that soda can to its natural state before you opened it. Yes. And wow. we're not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> but um, I tell thanks. you what, I can do one sixth of my lifetime of trash bag opening while you do that. All right, that sounds like a great deal that I will not take you up on. Well, thank you, Jeff, for shining a bright torch on the world of welding, Paula. You've heard from Jeff. What do you think it takes to be a welder, and do you have it? Hey, Jonah, can you give me a little background music for my welding information? Perfect. Spot welding is the easy kind of welding. It's not the extra training specialty kind. Jeff can teach most people how to spot weld in three minutes. For some people, it may take longer. 
It's very dangerous. It involves inert gases, and you're making a molten puddle up to 4,000 degrees, and that's several degrees hotter than the San Fernando Valley. It can be frustrating, so you learn patience. In fact, inside the helmet, one can become focused and calm. You could open a trash bag with a helmet on, and it wouldn't bother you at all, although you might melt the bag if you're welding. There's an expression in welding, when the helmet drops, the bullshit stops. Okay. Um, so, um, Paula, now that you've uh, looked into welding and you understand whether you can leave comedy for it, where are you going to be appearing next? Thanks, Adam. On Saturday, November 24th, I'll be at Jonathan's in Ogunquit, Maine. And on Friday, November 30th, I'll be in Davis, California at UC Davis at the Mondavi Center for the Performing Arts. Jeff Agnew is a welder and welding instructor at the Universal Technical Institute. Jeff, thank you so much for being on our show. I was that close. I could have been a welder. Thank you, house band Jonah Glickman. Now, if you have a question for Paula, email it to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. That's where you can send your theme songs, too. Find us on Facebook, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. You can follow me and Adam on Twitter and check out my website, www.paulapoundstone.com. Hey, and I'm on Instagram now. I'm also offering a selection of fine T-shirts. They're made from a remarkably soft, soft tri-poly tri blend. blend. Right. They have a self-portrait right. on the left breast yeah. and a memorable quote on the back. You'll probably end up with a blend of two polysynthetic uh, fabrics and cotton. It's a tri-poly blend, Adam. Okay, that's our show for tonight. Statistically speaking, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Our show is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, which is French for the Zebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman. Special thanks to tonight's house band, vibraphonist and muscle, Jonah Knuckles Glickman. Thanks again to our guests, John Schloiss and Jeff Agnew. Our head of security was on the vibes tonight, so our guests are on their own getting back to their cars. <laughs> That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Help! 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 I'm being robbed outside the Ray Horseman Studios. Help! <laughs> Help. I seem to have fallen into a refrigerator. <laughs> Don't they have security at this show? Help. Who's down there? Is that you, Thomas Coyne? Help. 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 Oh, fuck a mattress. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>